You're now locked in to HBCU Pulse. We're the number one outlet for HBCU life, talking about everything that's important to our culture, from on-campus issues to politics and what's trending on the yard. We always keep that same energy. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to HBCU Pulse Radio. You're listening to the HBCU Sports Playbook on HBCU Pulse Radio. What's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the founder of HBCU Pulse and the host of HBCU Pulse Radio in the building for another special edition of the show on today where we're talking about HBCU football. We're into the season. We're in the middle of the month. It's homecoming season. And a lot of consequential games are going on on this weekend. Starting today, actually, too. So, Arya, how you doing today? Doing pretty good. Happy to be back. This week's football was, you know what? It was actually kind of amazing. A lot of rivalries, a lot to talk about. So, I'm definitely ready to get into it. So, let's go on and get into it. You know, first, before we start, uh, I want to say congratulations to FAMU. Uh, we know that FAMU has had a lot of issues when it comes to uh, compliance. Um, they, they've had they've been good on the field, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but they just hired a new athletic director. Uh, her name is Miss Tiffany Don Sykes. She's going to be the new vice president and director of intercollegiate athletics. She starts on January the fourth. They announced her uh, earlier this week. That press conference is on HBCU Pulse YouTube channel, and also we have a deeper dive into her on the HBCU Pulse website. Virginia State University graduate. Uh, she has her master's from Grambling, so she's swack. <laughs> if you know what I mean, she's swack. And we'll talk about that in a second, too. So I'm super excited for her. Um, and she is the second black woman to lead FAMU's athletic program in their history. So super excited. She seems like an amazing person. So I cannot wait to see what she does at FAMU. But let's go on and get into the scores for this weekend. Like I said, a lot of great matchups. So let's run through them. All right. So FAMU, speaking of FAMU, FAMU is in stride. They beat South Carolina State 20-14 to in a MEAC swack matchup. FAMU was dominating at first, but then South Carolina State, they came back. They gave them a scare, but FAMU was able to pull it through. So Alabama A&M beat Grambling in overtime, 37 to 31. You have Jackson State. We'll talk about more about them in a second. Jackson State beat Alabama State on their homecoming, 26 to 12. It won the money game, though. We'll talk about that. So Texas Southern beat University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, 24 to 17. Southern beat Prairie View, 45 to 13. Tennessee State got their first win on the season. They beat Bethune Cookman, 41 to 17. And Alcorn beat. Mississippi Valley, 30-7. to seven. Alcorn is looking really good. I'm starting to think that they're going to make it out the West. I'm telling you, it's, it's looking really interesting for Alcorn. But let's talk about that Jackson State-Alabama State game. So full disclosure, we're going to talk about what happened with Coach Deion Sanders and Coach Eddie Robinson in a second. But the game was actually good. Of course, everyone thinks that Jackson State is going to come in and just run through every opponent that they face. But Alabama State played pretty well, considering. They scored the first touchdown. They played great defense on Shador, and I think that up to this point, they've played Jackson State better than any other team has. 
Ariel, I want to toss it to you. What did you see as far as on the field? What did you see from the Jackson State and Alabama State game on this past weekend? So what we saw this weekend basically is that Jackson State is not as untouchable as we think we are. We definitely saw that within the first half when ASU scored the first points on the goal. We also saw some dirty plays, too, coming into the second half. There was targeting calls called twice on Jackson State. As you can see, the rivalry is very up there, especially between the coaches. What I didn't like, and it's so funny, we did this last week on an episode. They kept comparing Shador Sanders to Steve McNair. If you guys don't know, Steve McNair is one of the greatest quarterbacks that personally I love and I've ever seen. He came from Alcorn. They say his numbers were kind of like him for this game. I'm not going to lie. Shador's numbers were absolutely amazing. 30 for 46, 332 yards. One thing that I can say, though, I love Alabama State's comeback. And I love the fact that they didn't stop fighting. And for a second there, their passing game was a little bit better than Jackson State. But once Jackson State got going, especially Shador Sanders, and they kept using their run game, they just ran Alabama State down. And essentially, Alabama State's running game isn't as good as Jackson State. Also, with the turnover from Jalen Hughes last minute within the fourth quarter, that sealed the deal. Alabama State did what they need to do. They proved that, hey, we're a team that can actually compete with Jackson State. And they're the team that has scored the most points this season against Jackson State. And, you know, their next game is against Bethune-Cookman. I personally think that's a guaranteed win. But Jackson State's schedule still looks a little bumpy. They have to play Campbell for their homecoming. Then they go to Southern. We'll talk about them more. Then Texas Southern. Then they have to play against Alabama A&M, which is making a late run right now. Other than that, I want to say it was a great game. I really wanted Alabama State to win. But, you know, when you're great, you're great. And to, to quote Deion Sanders, when you're great, you're great. And he has a really awesome team. But I love the fight that Alabama State put up. Watching the game, I was very impressed and enthused by Alabama State. I think that they're having a season that a lot of folks didn't anticipate because Eddie Robinson, um, Eddie Robinson Jr. is a first-time coach. Um, but I think that they, like Alabama State always has fight. They've always shown a level of resilience. And I think that their future is going to be bright. Um, I think that they're going to contend in some way, shape, form, or fashion with Jackson State. You're going to see those matchups down the line. I really love the pressure they were putting on Shador. Did Shador have good stats? Yes. However, we watch the games. It's the eye test, and you have the stats. Sometimes the stats don't tell the full story. And I'm telling you, like, they were putting pressure on Shador. And there were he had he, he had you know a, a good game, but there were a couple times where he threw a pass and Alabama State could have intercepted it. It was one time I think it was the second or third quarter. Shadur was, was had pressure coming up the edge. He just sort of threw the ball, and the Alabama State defensive player dropped the ball. It would have been a pick six, and we're having a totally different game. And let's be clear as well: Alabama State could have won that game if you watch it. Their field goal kicker was not effective. They, they missed the extra point after they got the first touchdown. They missed two field goals. And also, let's not forget Alabama State, they did not convert on a two-point conversion. Jackson State missed a two-point conversion as well. But Alabama State, if they make the two-point conversion, they make the field goals, we might have a different game, and then Jackson State has pressure on them. But going into the fourth quarter, honestly, I didn't know who would win. I didn't know what was going on. But when Shador threw that touchdown late in, in, the, four, in the fourth quarter, I saw knew it was over, and then they put in the backups and everything like that. Um, Jackson State is great. 
I think that Jackson State is having a great season. They seem very different from last year on the field. I think the coaching staff is a big change. Of course, Travis Hunter, he only played against FAMU. He's been injured. Uh, but I think that, you know, their defense has improved. I think their offense has improved, and you're seeing it. But one thing that I noticed with Jackson State is that the scoring total is sort of dropping a little bit. You know, you go out and you, and you drop 50 on FAMU, which was surprising because FAMU is a good defensive school. Then you go out, you have a low scoring 19 to three game. Then you go out and you decimate Grambling in the second half. Then you go up against Valley. Valley, you know, is Valley. You know what I'm saying? Mississippi Valley. You know, Jay Rice ain't there no more. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, ah. Uh. But this game, you come back and you only score 26 points. I just think that's interesting. Shador's good, but interesting, I would say. But what's more interesting is what happened after the game. All right. So. First and foremost, let me say this. Before we talk about Jackson State, I want to give the disclaimer that I am a big supporter of uh, Coach Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, and Jackson State. I believe they are doing a lot of amazing things for uh, the game of HBCU football. They're forcing everyone to step up, and I love that Deion Sanders seems to be very dedicated in making sure he's supporting Jackson State and he's there presently. People are trying to get him to go to all these other different places. They're trying to get him to go to Georgia Tech and Clemson. They're dropping his name in all these Power Five conversations. But Coach Prime is just coaching his team, and I rock with that. But I want to just, just say this, because I, I feel like the Jackson State fans, they they, they looking for me. I, I, saw, I saw a post on Twitter, Ariel, about who's worse. Nicki Minaj barbs or the beehive and people said man listen Nicki Minaj fans someone dissed Nicki Minaj and and they call they call Remy Ma's parole officer they they, they try to get folks locked up they, they they found someone's address and and they, and they were sending stuff to their address I think the Jackson State fans just turned off my internet because my internet's off okay it went off as we were recording so Ariel's on the phone right now she's on the phone line because we ready okay radio station ready all right but Jackson State, listen, don't be mad at me for what I'm about to say. I'm going to be incredibly objective. And I thought about this for a minute, and then we're going to get Ariel's take on it. As, like I said, she's on the phone line right now. So here's what went down at the game. So what went down at the game is this. So at the end of the game, and ESPN showed it, you have the customary coach greeting. After they're done, they go and say, good game, shake hands, hold nine yards. So Deion Sanders is walking up. Coach Eddie Robinson's walking up. So... Eddie Robinson, Deion Sanders, they shake hands. So from there, Deion Sanders tries to bring him in to embrace him. Deion, like, so Eddie Robinson pushes away. Deion Sanders then pushes his elbow. And it's like, what's wrong with you? And then Eddie Robinson didn't make a move back to him. He just walked away. And we all were like, what just happened? Because I was watching it i wasn't watching the end of the game because jackson state was winning i turned away because i'm a wrestling fan and extreme rules came on and i heard bray white was coming back so i turned to watch wwe okay so and i'm trying i was trying to also watch the southern and the southern and prairie view game so i see what happened and i'm like yo what is going on so i happened to catch wind of what's happening right when eddie robinson jr was about to give his press conference comments and in his press conference comments, he said some very interesting things that I want to play for the audience on today. So if you didn't hear about it, which I know you have, or just for archival purposes, you hear what really ticked off Eddie Robinson Jr. Because I don't want to misquote him and I don't want to speak for him. 
So I want to let the audio play, and then I'll talk about some things I also heard on the back end. So this is what Coach Eddie Robinson said in the press conference after the game and the full video of the comments on HBC Post YouTube. Uh, well, I guess uh, me being up front is just like, uh, I thought it was a lot of disrespect the whole week. And so you're not going to be disrespectful the whole week in the media. Uh, we didn't talk in the pregame. I was out there the whole time at the 50-yard line. Uh, he walked through our, our whole offensive, I mean, our whole huddle on, on our end zone and came a long way around to get to his side of the field in the pregame. Thought that wasn't classy at all. Uh, and so in the postgame, I'm not about to give you the Obama bro hug. You know, I'm going to shake your hand and I'm going to go on. I'm, I'm going to always be respectful and respect the game. You know, you got the great guys, W.C. Gordon, Eddie G. Robinson, those guys, Reno Chasm. That, I, I'm, I'm living on the shows of the swag. Uh, he ain't swag. You know, I'm swag. He ain't swag. So... That was the comment that shook everyone. He ain't swag. I'm a swag. And then he proceeded to show love to what Jackson State is doing, what Deion Sanders has done for the institution, and also showed love to Shador Sanders and said he should get Heisman consideration. However, Deion Sanders and his team, his son, they dropped a video of Coach Prime and the instance that Coach Eddie Robinson was talking about what Deion Sanders typically does is that he does a walk around the field before the pregame. He does two things. He walks, he does a jog around the field. Then he also walks around the field and talks with Shador before the game. So Jackson State came late. The football team came late to the game because I think they were caught in traffic. So by the time they got there, Alabama State was on the field. So when Deion Sanders and Jackson State comes out to warm up and they do their customary tradition, Shador is out there warming up on Alabama State side. They asked him for his words for him. Some of those words were expletives. And Deion Sanders, to control the narrative, put that video out and decided to showcase that. Now, a lot of the consensus of HBCU Twitter, and I agree with it, is why in the world, doing a, in a hostile environment, doing a homecoming game, you decide that you want to warm up on the opposing team's side. Like, there's a code to this. This ain't just HBCU stuff. It's football in general. You warm up on your side. Like, typically, when it's the, both the teams are on the field, you have your side of the field, that team has theirs, while you on their side, especially when they perceive that you are disrespecting them. Also, Ariel, what they were saying in uh, the whole entire thing is that Eddie Robinson said Deion Sanders was disrespecting him throughout the whole entire week. And he was. He called the Alabama State game a money game because Coach Prime was so caught on the fact that Jackson State was scheduled for Alabama State's homecoming. And he said, listen, we're a money game, basically. You want to get our fans to come down? All these different things. You, you want to get a, a crowd? You got it. And this my this my second homecoming. He was alluding to how he beat Alabama a how they beat Alabama a scored 60 on them. So he was saying, hey, this is like a money game. But all money ain't good money. Bro, you're dissing them. Like, that's not you being a promoter. You're, you're dissing Alabama State saying that they're basically inferior to you and that you're going to beat them down as if it was a money game. Because, of course, we saw that Alabama State played against UCLA and they got beat down in that money game. So you're saying that this is a money game. So I believe, personally, Ariel, that Eddie Robinson Jr. had every right to feel disrespected. He had every right to feel as if Deion Sanders was talking down on him. He had every right to feel away. Both he and Deion Sanders are a part of that NFL fraternity. They played in the NFL. Of course, we know that Coach Prime Deion Sanders is a Hall of Famer and one of the greatest athletes of all time, we know that. But you didn't talk to that man at all before the game. You didn't connect with him at all. Now, that might be customary. That Deion Sanders might not do that. 
But it does seem, Ariel, a bit peculiar. But what I will say before I toss it to you is that I believe that Eddie Robinson should not have conducted himself in that manner. Now, here's what I was taught as a child, Ariel. And I told you this when we talked offline. Is that I was taught to play the game. Like, you don't have to like the folks you work with. You don't have to like the folks you're in front of. But sometimes you just got to play the game. If you don't like somebody and that person is right next to you, their fellow coach or what have you, sometimes you just have to be the bigger person. And you can say what you're saying in the press conference, or maybe you pull Deion Sanders to the side and say, hey, man, I didn't really like what you were saying at the beginning of the week. I respect you. I respect your son. I think y'all are doing a great job. But I didn't like that conversation that you were having because we didn't intentionally schedule y'all for homecoming. Like, we just, we had to play somebody, and we played y'all. Like, it, it wasn't that deep. It wasn't like, oh, we think y'all suck. That, that conversation could have happened behind closed doors. It didn't need to make it to the press conference. It didn't need to make it to the field. It didn't need to be on ESPN. To be honest with you, it didn't need to be on HBCU Pulse. It needed to be something that happened behind the scenes, a conversation that occurred between two grown men that played the game professionally and now their coaches that are coaching young men to be better and display sportsmanship. So I believe that Eddie Robinson was Jr. was totally wrong. Totally wrong. You got to play the game. Shake that man's hand. Do the bro hug. Go on. But I don't feel he was wrong for feeling disrespected. And I think that at points, Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, Coach Sanders, he takes it too far. But Ariel, what do you think? I don't believe what Eddie Robinson Jr. did was disrespectful. Now, did he have to do it? No. Was it kind of upsetting that he didn't show that sportsmanship? Possibly. But it's not said that I have to hug you after a game. I think it was totally respectful that he went up to them. He said, good game. He shook his hand. And he was willing to walk away. That should be the end of the game. You don't see at the end of every college game or at the end of every peewee or high school or professional game that I have to hug you. There are such things as rivalries. And like he said at the beginning of the week, you've been disrespecting me. And like we both said in an earlier conversation, it's not like we scheduled you intentionally. But you think I have to hug you? You think I have to respect you and have to kiss your shoes or whatever because you think you're royalty and you've done so much in the past two years? What I've learned yesterday and what I heard yesterday was if you count yourself on all the good things that you did and then you make a mistake or something bad happens, you don't want to credit to yourself negatively. And I think for the past two weeks, Jackson State fans have put Deion Sanders and they think he's done so many good things when he makes a mistake or he says something that we can't hold him accountable. What he did against Robinson was absolutely disrespectful. You don't have to. He's not a money game. They're actually a really, really great program. The way the game looked, if you actually watched it, it was really competitive. It was compelling. We really thought Alabama State was going to win. So they're still a good team. If he's a first-year head coach, just like how he was, it may not have been the same undefeated season, but he's not doing a bad job. And I believe this whole situation has brought out proportion. Now, I don't want to leave this conversation before I pass it back to you that there were no wrongs on either side. Deion Sanders was wrong on Jackson State's side. Eddie Robinson showed some wrong on Alabama State's side. But when it comes to the game, the game was played. Facts are facts. Jackson State's a really good team. Shador Sanders is a really great quarterback. Alabama State has scored the most points against that team. They have a really good coach. They are a really good program. Both teams disrespect each other. You just can't play one side on the media. And I feel like it's 
it's up to us. It's our responsibility to call out both sides and not just say, well, this one won't and this one other. You have to play the full field. They play the full field on Saturday, so we do too. But let's talk about our games of the week, Ariel. So you had Alabama A&M versus Grambling and South Carolina State versus FanView. So Ariel, what did you think about those games? Listen, let's, let's go ahead and talk about some other great games that happened this weekend. I, the Alabama A&M and Grambling game, a double overtime, you can't get anything like it. Put in a freshman in at a double overtime, you can't get anything like it. For Grambling, they had three different quarterbacks doing an earlier system that South Carolina did when they were playing South Carolina State than when they were playing Bethune-Cookman. Had Julian, Julian Calves, he's their freshman that played in that overtime. Didn't play bad, eight for 17, 74 yards, one touchdown. He did have an interception that added to that game win. And then extreme players, Lyndon Rash, four receptions, Maurice Washington, another lead receiver, four receptions, and Noah Bean. Let me tell you, he only had one, but he went far, and he contributed along that team. But Alabama A&M, I was ecstatic to see them. And let me tell you, 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 there were three big friendly giants out there. Donovan England, and then you had Jemison Jr. Oh, man. And Cameron Young, let me tell you, and Kean Hambrack, actually four biggest people I've ever seen. And they put down, they put down for Alabama A&M's offense. They were leading in the first half, which continued in until they got into the second half. So Grambling had some team fighters. Actually, Grambling was leading 10 to 7 after scoring a late touchdown. But then you have the SWAC player of that week, Donovan England, come in. He averages five yards a week. He got a pass from Quinn Casey, but he also, Quinn Casey was running to Cox as well. He's an unbelievable wide receiver for us that helped contribute in this game. It was a nice little hacky sack play that we've been seeing for the past couple of weeks from the NFL and also from college football. In the end, we got a double overtime. And what Grimley decided to do was to put in a freshman, Calvez. He's a true freshman, and he's been playing throughout the game. He actually played that game in the fourth quarter. Instead, Alabama elected to stay on defense when it came to overtime. And at first, Grambling scored this first touchdown. So saying Bean came in clutch. Bean is the tight end for Grambling, and he made that score. And then Alabama A&M came right back, and Quincy went to Hammock for a touchdown. Then they had a second overtime. But then England did a three-yard reception touchdown for the catch in the end zone, and A&M failed to make their two-point conversion. And then they got sacked in the second overtime, leading the score 38-31. to I love this game. It was a back-and-forth game. A lot of impossible calls and a lot of fouls when it came against Alabama A&M, which led them into overtime in the first place. A lot of encroachment, offside penalties, unsportsmanlike penalties, and missed field goals on both sides. But at the end of the day, it was a good game. Now, what I was happy to see at the end of that was Florida A&M go against South Carolina State, Florida A&M winning 20-14. to that was a good game as well because we all know FAMU started pretty rough this season going 0-2, but they won their last four games, including the reigning champ, South Carolina State. FAMU shut out South Carolina State in all three quarters. They scored, set, they scored a touchdown in the first quarter, and then they scored 10 points in the second. They ended it leading, and then they scored an opening field goal in the third quarter. But then South Carolina State came back with two 
touchdowns. However, they were stopped defensively. And I think this was actually a really good defensive battle. I mean, when you look at the quarters and when you look at the score, you wouldn't really see it. The South Carolina State really did hold their own, and I appreciate them for the comeback that they had. But what really got them into two interceptions that were thrown by Jeremy Musa, which would have actually helped. But at the end of the day, what can you do? My game of the week for D1 was Morgan versus Norfolk. And I'm going to be honest with you. I was trying to watch the Benedict Miles College game on HBCU League Pass. So I was watching that game. And then also Jackson State uh, versus Alabama State came on. So I was watching that as well. However, I was keeping up with the stats. And I saw when Norfolk made their comeback. Because Morgan State was up 14-0 to and it was their homecoming. So I'm like, oh, man. So, yeah, Morgan State going to pull this through. Damon Wilson is the guy. Three, like, three-time CIAA championship winner. And then he made an amazing run at the end of his tenure at Bowie through the D2 playoffs, and they lost about Austin. We'll talk about that in a second. But Norfolk State don't ever count out a Dawson Odom's team because they came back and won 24-21, to 21, and all you can say is resiliency. That's all you can say. And I think that Morgan State was sort of overwhelmed because they thought they sort of buried them. They, they, they thought they buried Norfolk State. You didn't. You didn't. Don't ever count on a Dawson Odom's teams. And I want, I want to point out this too. Here's what I want to point out. A lot of people that are saying, oh, Morgan State got beat by an 0-5 team and Norfolk State is, is winless. They lost to one HBCU, which is, which is Hampton. Hampton is now in the Big South and is moving to the CAA. So the big thing here is that the MEAC plays a schedule where you're playing tougher and honestly better FBS and FCS opponents. So when you see Norfolk go 0-5, I take that with a grain of salt because they still can win the MEAC because <laughs> South Carolina State did the same thing. The, the, the football schedule, especially when you look at FCS teams and especially HBCUs, is so confounding because a good team can end up being 0-5. Now, with Tennessee State, I, I can't say the same thing with Tennessee State, okay? It's a little bit different because Tennessee State is, like I said, they're in the OVC. That is predominantly white conference. So, Tennessee State's record is a little bit different. I can't defend that one, even though they won this week. But I'm just saying, Norfolk State is different because it's like you're not playing teams that are equal to you at that point. And if you get a win, it's great. But, but a lot of the teams, like Marshall is not equal to Norfolk. I'm sorry. Marshall is not equal to Norfolk at that point. Like, that, like, there are teams that are not equal to Norfolk, but you play a team that is that is the equivalent of the talent that Morgan State has. Morgan State has talent. Norfolk has that same equivalent level of talent. They come back and win. So now the next game against Delaware State is where we really see what Dawson Dottoms has. Because don't get caught in that 0-5 rhetoric, and then North, Norfolk starts, he goes and wins six straight games. They beat South Carolina State. They beat North Carolina Central. They beat Delaware State. They beat Howard. All of a sudden, we see Jackson State and Norfolk State. And also, let's not forget that Dawson Odoms, when he was leaving Southern, he beat Jackson State and beat Deion Sanders, and he was there at, at the, in the red zone and decided to take a knee. He said, listen, we ain't trying to bury them. I'm here to create young men. I'm not here to embarrass anybody. He took a knee. So I just want to just say that would be a good storyline, Ariel. Dawson Dottles comes back, and all of a sudden it's Deion Sanders versus Dawson Odoms, and Dawson Odoms showed him respect as he was leaving Southern. And we, we know he was leaving Southern at the time because we were ready for that next matchup, but it is what it is. But 
I want to move on into the D2 portion of our show, the D2 rundown. We're going to run through the scores really quickly, all right? So you had Fort Valley beat Central State 32 to 17. So Fort Valley, they beat Central State that has our former coach, Coach Porter. Coach Porter, his first season at Fort Valley, he won the 2016 side championship beating Kentucky State. Clearly, that's not going to happen with Central State, but God bless him. Shout out to you, Coach Porter. All right, Virginia Union beats Elizabeth City State 49-0. Virginia Union is 6-0. and It's amazing. Like, Virginia Union, it was their homecoming. They're on an amazing run, and we'll talk about them more in a second. Lane College loses to Kentucky State. Lane College, what's going on, Lane? You beat Tennessee State 28-27. Then you lose to Kentucky State when you're trying to stake the claim in the West. You're getting better and better every year. But you lose to Kentucky State 26 to 31. I don't know what to say. So honestly, looking at Kentucky State, they might be the ones that win the West. I mean, it's looking really interesting when you look at the standings. Like, it's not that far apart. Tuskegee is doing really well. Kentucky State's 1-0 in the division. Lane should be leading, but they're 0-1. And then although Miles College is 1-5, they're 1-0 in the division because they beat Central State a couple weeks ago. So I think the West could get a little bit interesting, but at this point, trust in Tuskegee. Tuskegee has a, has a winning record. They're currently 4-2 overall. So I would say trust in Tuskegee. I think it's Tuskegee versus either Fort Valley, Benedict, or Albany State. At this point, we know who's going to make it out the East, but the West, we don't really know. But we'll see what's, what's going on, all right? So, Benedict beat Miles College. That game was live on HBCU League Pass. And Benedict is looking dominant. They're heading to play Albany State. We'll talk about that in a second. Savannah State, on their homecoming, they beat Virginia University of Lynchburg. Nothing more need be said. Why are you scheduling Virginia University of Lynchburg anyway? So, and I want to say, by the way, Deion Sanders thought that Alabama State thought that they were Virginia University of Lynchburg. Bro, it's not like that. All right. Allen lost by one point to Clark Atlanta. Clark Atlanta won 42 to 41. I want the best for Allen. Allen is going to be such a good team. I'm so proud of them for real. They have a dynamic quarterback. The coach is really great. They're losing a lot of close contests, but I think that they're going to be a problem in the SIAC East. I'm just saying, definitely watch out for that. And then Albany State destroyed Edward Waters 55 to 7. And I just want to say, Edward Waters is going to play North Carolina a t this weekend. So, okay. Anyway, I have nothing more to say about that. <laughs> I have no more to say about that. But I will say that Tuskegee beat Morehouse 31-14 to 14 in their annual Morehouse-Tuskegee Classic. Shout out to Tuskegee. Morehouse has been struggling. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, let's talk about real quick, Ariel. Let's get into our games of the week. And since we're already talking about D2, let's start off with the two D2 games that are going to define a generation. These two games that are happening in D2, my two games of the week, are literally going to define a conference. And I think that they possibly could determine who's going to be the champion in the CIAA and in the SIAC. And also, they will determine who makes the D2 playoffs. And I'm talking about Benedict versus Albany State and Virginia Union versus Bowie. The weekend has come, and the schedule makers, man, they did us a service. Oh, my gosh. So let's start with Benedict and Albany because I am the SIAC. I know, I know, I, I'm not the SWAC. I ain't SWAC. Eddie Robinson SWAC, I ain't SWAC, but I'm SIAC, though, and I'm proud to be SIAC, so I'm a rep for the SIAC. And I'll just tell y'all 
that first and foremost, this game, as far as I know, is going to be on HBCU League Pass home team. Make sure to check that out. This game has huge implications. I personally believe that the winner of this Albany-Benedict game, they're going to make it to the SIAC championship because I don't see a loss on Albany or Benedict's schedule. Now, granted, I am a Fort Valley State University alum, and I am going to always and forever pull for Fort Valley State University. That is my HBCU. However, I just don't think after what I saw against Benedict, I just don't think that Fort Valley presently is ready to contend with the top teams in the conference. I think that we're going to be the number three team for a minute because Benedict's now come up. But I think you give Coach Sean Gibb, that A&T Aggie, you give him some more time. You give them some, some time to recruit in Peach County. Go to North Carolina and get some of them players. Go to South Carolina. Go to Louisiana. Go to Alabama. Get some of them players. I think he's going to put together an amazing team. And I think eventually Fort Valley is going to once again reign in the SIAC East. But I think that right now Albany has the crown and Benedict is the number one contender. So I want to be honest. I don't know what's going to happen at Fountain City Classic. We'll talk about that more when we get to that point in November. But also, I want to say that the winner has an amazing chance to make the D2 playoffs because typically only two teams make it. And the SIAC champion, the CIAA champion, especially if they have a good out-of-conference record, they make it. Now, Benedict hasn't played a lot of out-of-conference games because they're currently undefeated. They played in-conference. They played Elizabeth City State to start the season, but that's not like, it's not like you're playing Valdosta. Like, Union played Valdosta, and they beat Valdosta. So we know Virginia Union is good. most likely if they beat Bowie, and they win out, and they win the, the CIAA championship, they're going to make the playoffs off the strength of that because that was the number two team going into that game. But Benedict hasn't played those teams. Albany played FAMU pretty well, and they beat Shorter. They beat a couple other, you know, non-SIAC opponents. That, that was very interesting. But I think that, the, like one of these two teams, they're going to make the playoffs for the SIAC and they're going to represent. So this is a very consequential and important game. But here's the thing. Last year, Albany State beat Benedict 28-6. to But Benedict, on the Albany's first drive, Ariel, they got a pick six. They got a pick six and they were up 6-0 to zero on Albany State. But Benedict missed the field goal. So they still got problems, you know, in the special teams with the field goals. I don't know what's going to happen with that. They need to make field goals because I think that's what it's going to come down to. Because when you look at Albany State and Benedict this year, they're pretty similar. Albany State's holding their opponents collectively to 11.2 points per game. Benedict's holding their opponents to eight points per game. So Benedict has a three-point edge. But Albany, like, those numbers are looking really good on defense. Albany and Benedict are both rushing teams. Now, what I will say is that I think Albany's quarterback is a little bit better than Eric Phoenix. However, Benedict is a run first team. So that's one thing with Benedict, but Albany is actually a pretty better rushing team. You look at the stats. So you look at Albany, the team collectively has 201 rushing yards per game. They rush 5.6 on average per attempt. They have 18 rushing touchdowns to Benedict's 167 yards, 4.6 average, four attempts and 12 rushing touchdowns. So, Albany, honestly, is the slightly better running team, but they're not that far apart. But with passing, they're almost identical. Albany averages 188 yards per game. They get 8.91 average yards per attempt in passing and eight passing touchdowns. Benedict, they average 187 yards per game, seven yards average per attempt, and then 12 touchdowns. So eight passing touchdowns versus 12? 
Auburn, are you going to be able to pass on Benedict's defense? Like, because they're holding teams to eight points per game. I think that's going to be something we need to look at. But the quarterback battle, Ariel, Deontay Manu versus Eric Phoenix, is going to be an interesting battle because they're both great quarterbacks in the SIAC. So Deontay Manu, you think he'll be able to light up the scoreboard against Benedict? Because on the season, he's 64 of 120 in completion. He's 53% in his completions. He's passing for 179 yards per game. And also he has 134 rush yards. And he has seven touchdowns, and three of them are rushing touchdowns. So will he be able to be a playmaker and score? Because Albany State hasn't put up big numbers on offense. They honestly haven't. Their defense has been so dominant that they don't really have to score all that much. So will they be able to make it happen against Benedict, who essentially you're playing yourself? You're looking in the mirror and you're playing yourself. Sometimes in video games, Ario, I always go back to video games. Sometimes in video games, Ario, you're able to play as the same team. You're able to play as the Lakers and then play against the Lakers. I can play as as Patrick Mahomes and, 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 and the Chiefs, and I can play against the Chiefs defense. Like sometimes in video games, you can do that. This is just like that in real life. You're playing against the same team. Albany is playing against Albany, and Benedict's playing against Benedict. They're the exact same team because Eric Phoenix is very similar, very similar stats. Eric Phoenix, 65 for 106 on passing this year. He's thrown zero interceptions, which I think is very interesting. He has a 61% completion, so he's more accurate. He averages 122 passing yards per game. He has 89 rush yards. He has eight touchdowns in general, two rushing touchdowns, six passing touchdowns. So I think that, honestly, Ariel, across the board, Albany and Benedict, pretty similar. But I think what's going to determine the game, and I'll say this really quickly, is Benedict's rushing attack versus Albany's historically great defense. Because I think Albany, I know Benedict's holding their opponents to eight points per game. I think they'll regress to the mean, I think, eventually. Now, they've had a pretty tough opening part of their schedule, and they've won. But I, I don't think they're going to continue to hold teams to eight points per game. That's pretty dominant. And Albany's been dominant for a while. So I want to see if Benedict's rushing attack can go up against Albany's defense that holds teams to 136 rushing yards per game. And they their opponents, FAMU, like they played shorter. They played at Will Waters. They played Miles College. All of these teams collectively, including FAMU, have only accounted for two rushing touchdowns, Ario. So only two rushing touchdowns coming in. And Benedict is, is a run-first team. So what does that mean? That means that if all Benny comes through and that defensive line isn't letting you get through, you got to pass that ball. And that means that now you might be out your element. So is Benedict going to be able to pass on Albany's defense and are they going to be able to run? If you take away that run option, now you got to pass and now you're out your element. And I want to just say that Benedict rushed for 299 yards and he got three rushing touchdowns versus Fort Valley. I'm going to say it, the truth. But against Savannah State, 174 yards, one touchdown in that Thursday game on ESPNU. So my question is, is this game going to look more like the Fort Valley game or is it going to look more like the Savannah State game? Just saying. Also, Benedict averages 187 passing yards per game. Albany State holds teams to 139 passing yards per game and only five passing touchdowns while Benedict has 12 passing touchdowns total on the year. So what's that going to look like for Eric Phoenix? What's that going to look like? Just saying. Noah Zaire Scotland is going to be on the bubble because it looks like he's going to have to find a way to get past 
Albany's run defense. He's a great running back. He's honestly one of the best running backs in the SIAC for sure. But come on, 402 yards, 85 attempts, six touchdowns, 4.7 yards for a carry. If he can figure it out, Benedict can win. And he rushed for 112 yards against Savannah State on 22 attempts. But one thing that I've seen, his numbers have slid. I don't know what's going on. Is he injured? Is the defense figuring him out? Because he rushed for 47 yards on nine attempts versus Fort Valley. And he had 15 carries versus Miles, only 45 yards. So Fort Valley is a good defense. Miles College traditionally is a good defense. Now you're going up against the number one defense in D2 last year. And they brought back a lot of their players this year. I want to see what's going to happen, but I think Albany's going to win. I hate to pick against Benedict. I hate it, but I think Albany's going to win. Like Benedict is rolling, but Albany is a superpower. And I just don't think that Benedict is ready to unseat Albany because I think their defense, Albany's defense is too dominant. That's what I honestly think. I think that they're going to be able to contain Noah Zaire Scotland and when they contain him, now you have to run options. You got to pass. You got to figure out different ways to get the ball down the field. I think the Albany has a game plan for that. I think it's going to be an ugly game, but Albany's going to win. It's probably going to be like, like maybe like 17-10, 13-10, maybe it's 0-0. I don't know. But all I know is going to be tough. And somehow, some way, Albany going to get a safety. They're going to get a field goal. I don't know. It's going to be 3-0. Albany going to win. But Benedict, I'm proud of y'all. And I hope that y'all do get the win because I am a Fort Valley alum, so I'm sort of pulling for y'all. But I think Albany's going to win. Now, really quickly, let's go to Bowie versus Virginia Union, Ario. This is my second game of the week. This is the classic battle between the number one and number two teams in the conference and Bowie and Virginia Union. They're a part of the CIAA North. You have the North and the South in the CIAA. Bowie has been the superpower in the conference. They won three straight championships from 2018 to 2021. They did not play in 2020 because of the COVID-19 pandemic. But to be real, Ariel, they probably would have won four straight because Bowie was dominant at that time. And during that run, Bowie beat Virginia Union three times, Ariel. 2018, Bowie wins 27 to 13. 2019, Bowie blows them out 52 to 17. 2021, just last year, Bowie wins 27 to 7. Virginia Union has always been on the bubble, and they've always, these past few years during this championship run, they've always been the second team behind Bowie. Is it time for them to finally break through? Honestly, I don't know. I honestly don't. Because, like, Valdosta played Bowie in the playoffs. Beat them 41-17, but Virginia Union beat Valdosta. You had Jada Bias putting up historic numbers on Valdosta. So they share them in common, and Valdosta got Bowie out the playoffs with Damon Wilson. So I'm just, I'm just saying, and then on top of that, Virginia Union, I'm pretty sure they're going to be, if they make it to the CIAA championship, they're going to be playing Fayetteville State. And guess what? Fayetteville State was on their schedule, and they won a tough game, 31-28. to 28. If Virginia Union wins out and they go to the CIAA championship, most likely that's their opponent. So you play Valdosta and you beat them, the number two team. You play Fayetteville State, which has been the nemesis to Bowie, and you beat them. Now the final boss is Bowie. You got to get past them. They've not been able to beat Bowie. Now's the time. And you have a player that can get drafted out of D2 just like Joshua Williams. You have a player that can contend for the Harlan Hill Trophy. And what the Harlan Hill Trophy is, that's the Heisman for D2. And Ariel, there's not been an HBCU player that has won the Harlan Hill Trophy. 
I think Jada Byers can. Already, he has over 1,000 rushing yards on the season, and it's only through six games. He averaged 910 yards and 12 touchdowns last season. He has 13 touchdowns this year, and the season ain't even over yet. They got to play divisional games. So he is having a dominant, historic season. And this is what was crazy to me, Ario. Two things. Number one, he rushed for 319 yards against Valdosta. Now, I talked about it a couple weeks ago. Valdosta's rushing defense is terrible. Like They're, they're trash at rushing defense. Ferris State ran through them in, 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 the, in the D2 championship. And then you have Virginia Union that ran through them. And Valdosta's been struggling this year. Ario, Jada Byers rushed for 319 yards versus Valdosta. Can Bowie contain Jada Byers? That's the real question. And I think that's the only real key because Bowie has a good rush defense. They've held their opponents to 105 rushing yards per game and eight touchdowns on this, on the season. Bowie has some good coaches and they're a good team. They have championship pedigree. Are you going to be able to slow down Jada Byers who is only a sophomore? Are you? He's a sophomore. What the world? This man is, is legendary. Is this the new Shannon Sharp for this generation? He's only a sophomore. So imagine how good he's going to be as a senior if he decides to stay and not get drafted. Imagine that. So you're dealing with this young man on his ascension. So I think this is going to be a generational type of game. I think that Jada Byers announces himself because sometimes you need signature wins. And I think that Virginia Union, they beat Bowie and they finally get over the hump and stop this three-game losing streak against the champions. I think that this will be the time. And also, Deion Golette Jr., He's a great quarterback. He's passing for 125 or 194 on his pass attempts, 64% completion, 13 touchdowns on the season, and he lit it up against number 16 ranked F, number 16 ranked D2 school at that time, New Haven. So will he be able to pass against Virginia Union's dominant defense when Union holds teams? 285 passing yards. He averages 271 on the year and got 266 passing yards versus New Haven, 17 of 30, three touchdowns. But the big story is Jada Byers and Jada Byers versus that Bowie defense. And Ariel, I'll just say this and I'll pass it over to you. I think Union wins. I think that finally they get over Bowie and Bowie has to retool and come back and you got uh, like, you got a Hill candidate, Ario, a Hill candidate. The D2 Heisman, he going to win that. I think that's going to happen. I think that after this, they beat Bowie. They went out. They go to the CIAA championship. And then we see what happens in the D2 playoffs. But that's what I'm thinking. Those are my games of the week. You got Bowie versus Virginia Union on the CIAA Sports Network. And you have Benedict versus Albany on the home team, HBCU League Pass. So make sure to tune into that. But Ariel, what's your D1 games of the week? Yeah, so we decided to split it this week. I took all of them while Randall focused on D2 because they deserve some love too. But first, we're going to go ahead and knock these two out before we talk about the game of the night. FAMU versus Grambling coming up. FAMU coming off of a really, really good win in a race, actually, to make it back into these teams. And Grambling, I think this is, and I was telling you, the battle of the defenses. FAMU is known for their powerhouse defense. They're known through running through people, stopping the run. They are known for turnovers, pressuring the quarterback. This is an all-star defense that you will want to have basically forever and I, I can't wait to see them against Grambling because Grambling has something to prove too the only thing that I'm a little bit worried about when it comes to Florida A&M they have been very sloppy 
offensively. You know, defensively, they're they're pretty fine. This game sometimes you have a a couple unnecessary roughness, and maybe you know they may pressure just a little bit. You know, certain touches, certain holes. That's that's not a lot. But when it comes to Florida A and M's offense, last game there are about 15 penalties going for close to over 150 yards. That can do a lot playing against Grambling. You don't want to give Grambling that ground. They will take the field. Grambling has had more field time than any of their opponents that they played this season. So if you allow them to capitalize on these penalties, to force you to have these turnovers, Grambling may come out and win the game. But I have more faith in Jerry Musa, especially with Xavier Smith on the field and Jalen McLeod, because they'll be able to pull it out. So my pick is going to have to go with FAMU. As long as they cap down these penalties, they're able to go against it. But I can say this is a very good defensive battle that you do not want to miss. And then we have Alcorn versus Southern. Alcorn used to be reigning champs. They actually used to be really good. They've kind of wavered a little bit when it comes to that championship pedigree. But I think this is going to be a good game just because these are two opponents that Jackson State has to face and towards the end of their season. One of these, you know, we're coming against Campbell and that's their homecoming game. And Campbell is a really good team but we're just talking about in conference games and we're talking about really good HBCU football Alcorn and Southern is who you really want to look at we want to look at who is going to be better at pressuring Shador Sanders we need to look at who has a better passing game than Shador Sanders because Shador Sanders is working with a really good run game he's working with a really good arm but if you can be better at him at either one I think you have a chance against them and plus it gives us to look at who actually may be vying for that title, for that conference title. I'm really excited for this game. I'm going to have to say I really want Southern to pull through, even though I would love – I love a good underdog story, and I think Alcorn has really been pushing that storyline throughout their whole season. But Southern, to me, just has a little bit more grit than they do, and I think they'll be able to pull this out. Now we're talking about our game of the night, Morgan State versus North Carolina Central. As you know, it's a little um, – Love-hate relationship with them just because they beat us in the Aggie Eagle Classic, but it's well-deserved. Davius Richards coming off a really good game. For most of the time, his stats have been phenomenal against all these teams. Last game, as he went as this team, he was more than over 18 and 27 completions, yards 194 and more in two touchdowns. I am a big fan of him, even though he comes from a rivalry school. I cannot express this enough. He is a true, amazing quarterback. And honestly, I wouldn't be mad if Central made it all the way to the Celebration Bowl. That would be something I would really love to see when it comes to quarterback caliber. Besides Musa, I just think Davies Richards being in the MEAC, this would just be an amazing quarterback battle. I would love to see their wits put head to head, but they kind of have a big challenge coming along the way. Morgan State hasn't been, you know, dominating. They're two and three now, but they have been really good. Otto Kunz from the last game playing against Norfolk State, 25 out of 34 completions and attempts, 288 yards, one interception is a little bit tricky, but when it comes to Davis Richards, he's prone to throwing interceptions too. So we're not really looking at that battle. We're looking at a running game battle. Who has the better running back? Who can put down the most yards and who can flip over their defenses to make sure that their offense has time in that field? Really good game tonight. Personally, unfortunately, I'm going to have to bet all my rivals, North Carolina Central. I feel like they're going to pull this out. And I'm really hoping they go all the way to see them in the celebration bowl. Like I said, quarterbacks of quarterbacks with playing wits. I would love to see that. But those are my picks for D1 tonight. So really quickly before we go, we want to list off 
the games that are going on this weekend. Listen, we need you all to support D1 and D2. And not just support, watch for your enjoyment. These are great games because I think at to a point we have to get out of just supporting and watching because the games are good. All right, so I'm going to read through the games that are going to be going on on this weekend. So, of course, North Carolina Central is playing Morgan State. That's going to be on ESPN2. So make sure to watch that. That Thursday night football NFL matchup ain't, ain't going to be all that good for real. So come watch HBCU football. All right. So Grambling versus FAMU is going to be on HBCU Go. So make sure to watch that. Chowan versus Virginia State. Elizabeth City versus Lincoln University of Pennsylvania. North Carolina a versus Edward Waters. San Agustin versus John C. Smith. Livingstone versus Fayetteville State. South Carolina State versus Virginia University of Lynchburg. Winston-Salem State versus Shaw. Bowie versus Virginia Union. That is going to be, as far as I know, as we're recording this, that is going to be on pay-per-view on CIAA Sports Network, so make sure to check that out. Alabama State versus Mississippi Valley State, Lincoln University of Missouri versus Pittsburgh State, Lyon versus Texas College, Texas Wesleyan versus Langston. Langston is doing really good this year. Albany State versus Benedict. As far as I know, as we're recording this, I will double-check. It will be on HBCU League Pass. Of course, we're affiliated with them, so we're going to support them, so make sure to go watch on HBCU League Pass Plus, make sure to go watch that. I will make sure that it's out. Make sure to stay tuned to our social media. Clark Atlanta versus Savannah State for homecoming. You have Fort Valley versus Morehouse. You have Kentucky State versus Allen. Norfolk State versus Delaware State. Jackson State versus Bethune-Cookman. Albany, now not Albany State, but Albany versus Hampton. Miles versus Lane. Howard versus Harvard. Tuskegee versus Central State. Southern versus Alcorn. Tennessee Tech versus Tennessee State. Florida Memorial versus St. Thomas. And it looks like Alabama A&M versus the University of Arkansas at Palm Bluff. That's going to be on the 16th. So that's going to be interesting. And that is your HBCU football for this weekend. But Ariel, where can we find you on social media? You can find me on social media on Twitter at AskGreevy underscore underscore. Or you can visit my website, theunnextopinion.weebly.com. I love it. I love it. So make sure to follow HBCU Pulse on Instagram at HBCU Pulse, on Twitter and TikTok at the HBCU Pulse. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast feeds on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on, on Google Play, on iHeartRadio. Wherever you get your podcast, just type in HBCU Pulse Radio. You'll find it. YouTube, HBCU Pulse. And if you're not watching on YouTube or you're not listening on the podcast, make sure to check out the HBCU Pulse channel on HBCU League Pass Plus, channel 201. Make sure to tap in. But as always, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the other side. Like what you hear? Uh, yeah. Subscribe to HBCU Pulse Radio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, head to HBCUPulse.com to stay up to date on what's going on in the HBCU community. Thank, thank you, you for, for listening, listening to HBCU, HBCU Pulse, Pulse Radio. Radio.